Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Wow, it's good. <sighs> Wonderful. Today is Monday, December 20th, um, 2021. 12-20-2021. So, yeah, winding the year down. I am working today and tomorrow. I keep going for normal word count days, the next two days, trying not to get short timers disease. And then um, traveling for Christmas. Um, yeah, looking forward to um, holidays. Theoretically, I'll, I won't be doing a podcast Thursday or Friday, but theoretically I will be a week from today. I might try to do a, I don't know. I keep waffling. Do I want to do a regular week between Christmas and New Year's, which my writing schedule says yes. Um, I'm also kind of wishing I could just take it off. But that's always the, um, the balancing act, right? Because if I take those days off, then I will create more pressure on myself for finishing this book later. But then there's that front loading of the stress relief and relaxation and stuff that if I take the week off, um, maybe I'll be more refreshed for writing the book in the new year. I might see how I feel. Um, I know an awful lot of people. I think I mentioned this on Friday. Um, all these people who are already started taking off like last week. Um, originally, like my agent had told me that their offices were closing on the 22nd. And she sent an email out on, I guess it was Friday. I think it was Friday. And I mean, you guys, well, I probably don't have it in here still, so I won't read it to you, which is boring anyway. But she said um, that they decided taking the lead from several New York publishing houses that they were uh, closing as of Friday. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, everybody's just closing, <laughs> closing down. Uh, sure. You know, and it's funny because here I am shaking my cane. I've got this little piece that came off of uh, like a little shoehorn cane. It's like my cane shaking. I need to put it back on there. I need natural cane. I got shake. But, you know, I remember when it was unusual for people to take off between Christmas and New Year's. Like the university would shut down, but nothing else did. And, um, you know, people didn't really take off leading up to Christmas. And some of this just feels like really since pandemic, um, I'm looking at the calendar because like people taking off this entire week, Christmas Eve is Friday. So, I mean, I know that there was a time, I mean, do you guys remember this when like this entire week, uh, would be a full work week and, and actually next week would be too, like maybe you'd get Fridays off because of the Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are on those days instead of 
you know, like Christmas Day. Maybe it's just my corner of the world, but I, I think it's pandemic related. I think because everything has slowed down so much. My Christmas tree has got goobers on it. Oh, you know why? Because it fell off my desk yesterday and uh, into the no man's land. Even with the ladies coming to clean, there's still um, dust beneath havens in the house. It'll probably take forever to completely get up to snuff. There. That's better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's like this sense of not being able to get work done anyway, and maybe people feeling kind of bummed with the prospects of the, you know, another surge and so forth. I'm, I'm actually very unclear on why people are so panicked about this latest surge, the Omicron variant. Um, I understand in the Netherlands that they were looking at shutting down again because of the spread. Um, you know, it's, but it's because all these people are unvaccinated, right? I mean, it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling pretty hard hearted about it at this point. That was one thing if you couldn't get vaccinated, but you know, now you can, so you kind of get what you get, right? <clears throat> Except for the strain on the medical system. Anyway, we won't talk about that. We don't need to go there. Um, I'm also know of several people who are like going through really difficult personal relationships right now. I know of a couple people who fairly suddenly are getting divorced. Uh, someone else who I thought had a very stable marriage. It turns out that it's been terrible for like a year and she hadn't said anything and you know, they may be separating. They may be looking at divorce. So, you know, I think we're, we're still seeing these ripple effects of the pandemic. You know, we had so many conversations about, you know, like in March of 2020, when we were all in lockdown, you know, and talking about people being forced to be together. And there was kind of like that first wave of, of breakups and so forth. Like my eye doctor got divorced as a direct consequence of pandemic lockdown. He said once he and his wife had to like be in the same house together for, <laughs> I mean, he told me this over his eye appointment. People talk to me. I, I think it's like the writer thing. I tend to interview people and a lot of people spill their guts. I have to be careful though, because there are apparently certain people who feel like they have to answer a question that they're posed and, and they feel like I've made them talk to me. And it's like, I always just thought that, you know, I could ask a question and you could not answer, but it doesn't work that way for everybody. So anyway, my eye doctor said that um, once he and his wife had to be in the same house together for weeks on end, they discovered that um, they really didn't have much of a relationship left. You know, that once they weren't doing the busy, busy thing, which is too bad, but you know, that busy, busy keeps us from thinking about things a lot of the time. Um, my friend, I'm not sure everything that's going on there, but it's, um, just sounds really difficult. And, and I had to say to her, I didn't have to, I felt compelled to say to her, to point out 
And I did give her a copy of that book, of the, the burnout book, which I'm giving to everybody because I, I just think that it's such an incredibly helpful take on things. But, you know, I said to her, you know, you deserve to feel loved in your own home. And because she would keep coming back to this thing where she would say, well, you know, he's not a good guy. Or I'm sorry, he is a good guy. He is a good guy and he's not being malicious. There's other things going on. There's like mental health things going on, I think. And she said, you know, he's not malicious. And our other friends said, well, just because it's not maliciously intended doesn't mean that his behavior isn't harmful to you. You know, which I think is really important to remember. And and I, you know, totally agreed with that. And then also said, you know, you you deserve to feel loved in your own home. If you don't feel safe and loved in your own home, then, you know, that's a, a major foundation that's missing. So, and then other people um, that I know more tangentially are just having really rough times in certain relationships and, you know, like, spouse suddenly asking for a divorce so it's like this i don't know what wave are we on now it's like all these ripple effects um the pandemic has just changed so much in so many ways that um yeah you know and people ask for advice on like new york publishing and what's going on with new york publishing which has always been a little bit of a black box you know and we all do this um one of the CIFWA members, I can't remember who it is right now. I'll, apologies that I'm not properly crediting this, but had uh, developed an art called Rejectomancy, which is, you know, like the, the divination of going through the rejections and determining exactly what they mean. Um, and I feel like we all um, engage in a certain amount of divination uh, reading of the signs, casting the dice, um, searching for the omens on how New York publishing is going, um, including people who work in New York publishing, I feel fairly confident saying. But, you know, nowadays people ask for, you know, advice and say, well, how are, you know, things going, you know, what to, is it true? I can't sell this kind of book or, and usually I have a pretty good fix on those things, or at least my own version of, of divination. And it's getting harder to predict. It's, I think that they're in such a tailspin with the paper shortage and the distribution shortages and, you know, and as I've talked about many times, you know, that they are so predicated on the print model, uh, so unwilling to let that go and focusing more and more and more on the blockbuster books and making all of the money there that I don't know. I, I don't even know what the answer is. It was kind of funny because, um, last weekend when I met up with my friends, Megan and Charlie for lunch, and Megan and I were diving deep into, she was asking how my submission was going. And we were diving deep into editors and discussing houses and imprints and that sort of thing. And uh, Charlie is not part of this world. He's always very uh, game for listening to the conversation. But I'm, I'm always very aware that Megan and I go 
deep into jargon and personalities and so forth and trying to remember to loop him in and include him on the information. Um, but, and he's always like, oh no, it's fine. But, you know, so Mika was, you know, saying, okay, so there's this and this and, and, uh, and she said, but you don't think that, uh, but, but no offers yet, no definitive offers yet. And I said, no. And, and I said, and now there won't be because New York has shut down and, and Charlie looked astonished and he went, what New York has shut down because of COVID. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. New York publishing closes between, you know, like essentially after Thanksgiving, they do a little bit of work, but you know, pretty much they, you know, at this point they're closed down until the new year, nothing is going to happen. And he was like, how can they run a business like that? Megan and I are just laughing. We're like, yeah. And Megan was saying, yeah, there's, there's a joke that like New York publishing is open for like three weeks. (laughs) To some extent it's true because you know, you have um, like from Thanksgiving to the end of the year, not much happens. And then at, uh, <clears throat> she was kind of going through it because she used to work for the New Yorker. So she's, she's much more in the know even than I am. Yeah, sneeze. Okay, that's better. So anyway, she was like going through the different things, but you know, like everybody leaves New York in the summer and goes to their house in the Hamptons and <laughs> there, there is a certain amount of truth to that. There are like fairly narrow windows in New York publishing. Um, and it is funny because the people in New York publishing are forever complaining about how horribly busy they are and how they never have time to do anything and, you know, doing so much work. <laughs> and it's like, you know, other industries look at them and think, yeah, but you guys take so much time off. But they're like, oh, but we're working at home all the time. All the time. And maybe there, I don't know. But again, I don't think that's a healthy way to do things, right? Boundaries. So, you know, that's one of the great benefits of self-publishing is that even if New York is doing nothing, you can still be doing something. You don't have to be on that same schedule, which is admittedly a very privileged schedule. It is, and it's one of the great criticisms that's been leveled at New York publishing for a very long time. You know, for instance, you know, the, the interns that begin working at the publishing houses, you know, your entry level jobs pay something like $30,000 a year to live in New York city. I mean, it's expected. It's, it's implicit that, uh, if you are taking one of those publishing jobs, it's because you come from a family with money who's supporting you. Um, it makes it a very, uh, I don't know. It's just the way publishing's always been. It's been kind of a hoity toity enterprise. And I think writers are expected to be much the same way. You know, that you, um, have other sources of income that you rely on. You know, maybe, the whole system's never been set up for writers to earn a living wage. Certainly not from traditional publishing, you know, not unless you really hit it big, but self-publishing changes that. So speaking of self-publishing, um, fire of the frost, woo, 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 it's ready to go. Locked and loaded. Um, got the changes done on, got them in Friday afternoon. Um, 
from all the, you know, got, got the formatted book back Friday morning and got everybody to take a look at theirs and, you know, got it in um, and ready for the release deadline. So everything is set there. It's good news. Um, always a relief to get that in place. So I got that done Saturday morning and um, yeah, looking forward to that release. Thank you all for, for the pre-orders there. Price goes up on release day, which is also my travel day. So I told everyone, I'm going to be traveling. So if you have a problem, um, <laughs> it's probably going to be a persistent problem. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny with self-publishing that our turnarounds are so much tighter than in traditional publishing. And if you have uh, an author working with you, who's really used to traditional publishing timelines, like uh, one of our contributors was really upset to only have four and a half hours to look over her book and wanting to tweak the formatting and making it perfect. And, you know, it's like basically at that point, you know, especially when we're like, that close to the Amazon upload deadline, there's just certain things you have to let go of. And, you know, everybody else just sort of looks to make sure that all their chapters are there and everything looks reasonable. But, um, you know, not everybody is able to, to set aside the need to make it be absolutely perfect, whatever that means. And it's interesting because this book, you know, that I know I'm talking about obsessively, apologize for that, you guys, but it was really helpful because one of the things it talks about, and this is that burnout by uh, Emily and Amelia Nagoski, uh, unlocking the secret to the stress cycle, or the secret to unlocking the stress cycle. But one of the things that they talk about there in there is, is the perfectionism and uh there was a, a whole section called the mad woman in the attic um, riffing off of the idea of um, Wuthering Heights, not Wuthering Heights, um, Jane Eyre, Jane Eyre with the uh, mad woman in the attic and talking about how we all have the mad woman in the attic who, who talks. And, uh, and one of those is the voice of perfectionism. Um, that was actually one part of the book that didn't completely resonate with me. I could see, uh, for some other people, I really want them to, to look at that part of the book and because I think it will be helpful to them. A couple of people I know, I think really struggle with, uh, that the mad woman in the attic who is driving them to do and say kind of crazy things. Um, and that, kind of crippling perfectionism as part of it. But it was interesting because in the book, they ask you to take some time to identify who it is, who, who is your mad woman. And, and they gave all these different examples of different kinds of characters or, you know, like people in your life. And, and it was interesting to me because I really did try, I kind of meditated on it. I thought about it and I don't think I have a, a mad woman in the attic. I think maybe I used to, but maybe I've, I don't know, either I'm kidding myself, which is possible, or I have integrated 
myself enough. I've done a lot of work on that kind of thing. And I, maybe I've integrated myself enough that, um, my mad woman is no longer locked in the attic, but gets to, I don't know, maybe she gets to write books. Uh, I don't feel like I have that division in myself. Although there's other times in my life where I feel like I definitely did. Um, certainly when I was in graduate school, I dealt with that kind of, um, crippling perfectionism, which you don't realize is perfectionism at the time, but it's like that not being able to start a project because you're afraid it won't turn out as well as you want it to be. Uh, that's a kind of perfectionism and it, it really does. I think it keeps a lot of people from finishing their books. So, uh, that was kind of a meandering podcast today. Um, pre Christmas reflections on life the mad woman and everything on that note, I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the frolic media podcast network, and you'll find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.